This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to Keeping Carlson Short Shifts. I am Ben Burnett, and joining me as always, my friend and yours, Louis Ezekiel. Louis, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. You know, I'm kind of existing in that sense of existential dread when Yahoo is not recording stats where you're not exactly sure what is real and what is not. I'm getting the urge to pull out my pen and paper and keep track of everything by hand here, so... It's nice to nice to have the show to distract me for a little while from trying to do a lot of mental math, which is not my forte. Yeah, as people may guess from what you're saying there, we are recording this Tuesday evening. Uh, the Most of the early games have just hit the second intermission, and so we do have quite a few uh, news and notes, I would say, based on that new information from those games. And let's get right into it, I guess. The biggest story today, I have to say, would have to be in Carolina, where the Hurricanes and Predators game was canceled. I actually don't know who the home team was. Looks like it was in Nashville, but canceled because the Canes got COVID. Sarah Sivian reporting that three players on the Hurricanes have COVID-19. Lewis, doing this show in the middle of a pandemic was always a little bit weird, but I don't know, in the back of your mind, you kind of just hope that you don't, that we don't actually have to get into it. But at some point, we do have to, you know, consider the fact that this horrible pandemic that's been a disaster across the world does have an impact on this silly little game that we play. And so obviously, Everything that we say is, is it's understood that the most important thing is that we hope for the best for the family and the families and, and all the people in the Keynes organization. And we just hope that everybody recovers safely, of course. Yes, obviously, number one in our thoughts, first and foremost, is uh, hoping for the safety of the players and the staff and the families. Uh, but we are also a fantasy hockey podcast, so inevitably, inevitably we're going to have to spend time this season talking about how it affects your fantasy roster. So uh, given that our number one concern is with health and safety, we are going to do some discussion about how it affects your fantasy hockey team. And I think my first thought when it comes to the effect of COVID on this season is that there are going to be invisible effects that we do not know how to describe. I remember uh, coming out of the bubble after St. Louis in the preseason or between the between the ending of the 2020 season and the re- the return to play uh, in the bubble. I remember hearing that St. Louis was feeling a lot of the after effects of players who had been sick. They were no longer in peak physical condition um, just because a few of them had gotten sick. And, and I think that that's inevitably going to happen to some players. And 
So it's just going to be really hard to say like some some we don't know enough about this virus's long-term effects and it's so inconsistent that it's going to affect our teams in ways that we don't necessarily recognize. So obviously our immediate effect here is that we lost the at least temporarily the Nashville and Carolina game that was happening tonight. They also have games lined up later in the week against Florida. Uh, so Ben, what do we do with our Carolina and Florida players who might be kind of on the edge of roster ability, knowing that they're going to be missing, you know, a chunk of action here over the next week or two. Well, but that's the thing, right? We don't know for sure that they're going to be missing extra time. We are recording this Tuesday night, as I mentioned. And so as of this moment, they've only postponed the one game with Nashville. When I think about the Canes, I think about uh, and and players who are on that roster fringe. It's kind of just like Nino and uh, and Slavin that I think of. And I think if you're you know in a super tight matchup, I would be a little bit quicker to pull the trigger if those were the bottom guys on my roster. But I don't know. What do you think? Is is Nino a hold at this point? Yeah, it's tough to say. I mean, he's got that great position, so. If you can survive the week, I would hold on to him. You know, the upshot here is that you're going to have weeks later in the season where they're going to try to make up these games, right? We're, we're going to try to not end the season with teams with unbalanced numbers of games. So they got to be made up somewhere. Uh, and I think the hope is going to be, you know, you can hopefully dominate some of those weeks if you can survive the, the lean weeks where you might have those players not eligible. And I think that the main thing that I that I'm trying to keep in mind here is that I'm going to wait until the NHL announces what's happening. I'm not going to try and guess that games are going to be canceled or assume that they will be. I'm going to wait it out in most cases, unless you know I'm in a do or die matchup and I need to uh, I need to move on from players who are are pretty recyclable through the uh, through the waiver wire. Yeah, I think that's solid advice. I think we should preach caution and patience. Uh, and wait until you've got firm information. We don't want to fly off the handle. Think about anybody who dropped Evander Kane because they heard some bad news early in the season, right? If you are making these quick decisions without putting full thought into it, you could find yourself in an unfortunate situation. Yeah, and I think that, I, I don't know if, I feel like this is something that we say every year, but it feels like this year is particularly bad for people jumping to conclusions and freaking out like instantly um i'm seeing a lot of a lot of questions about players who you need to relax on people like kevin fiala who's i believe second in the league in shot attempts or was before tonight's slate of games these are players who you drafted because they're good calm down take a deep breath it's gonna be okay uh one player who i'm not worried about a few games into the season he's in the middle of his third game right now jack hughes has five points that's just so far tonight in three games. He is flying out there. As a Rangers fan, Lewis, it pains me to say that Jack Hughes has arrived. Yeah, I think you are enjoying yourself if you were able to get him at a discount because he didn't have such a successful season last year. This is a great opportunity for you to sit back and enjoy that discounted production from Jack Hughes. Yeah, I don't really have anything else to say about it. Uh, the Devils seem to be pretty good. Uh, Mackenzie Blackwood is absolutely destroying it for us in our uh, in our fantasy hockey trades invitational league that we're in uh, against a number of other fantasy hockey Twitter accounts. Um, yeah, shouts out Mackenzie Blackwood. He seems like a guy who's going to be what like the best ver- like what we thought a best case Matt Murray situation might be in Ottawa where it was like maybe it's not a great team but he's good enough that he's going to be he's going to put up volume numbers I'm very very thrilled to have some Mac Black stock 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, how about another guy that we can talk about who has even added to his impressive resume that we had listed that said we have to talk about this guy for the show because he's scored tonight. Uh, late-breaking information, as always, Elon likes to say. Love to get an update from a game that's already over. But Bobby Ryan, we had him down in his three goals in his first two games. He's up to four goals now in his first three games. You make anything out of this? Lewis, I just... You know, I I so rarely jump on the guys who I don't believe in, but I, I'm in a very deep dynasty league, and I was just looking at the waiver wire uh, before opening night, and it's just like no one with a with an offensive with offensive upside. But Bobby Ryan on power play one in Detroit is just, you know, why not give him a shot? He had a pretty good end to the season last year. I somehow have benefited from all four Bobby Ryan goals, and I feel uh, like the luckiest person in the world. I feel like I hit on, uh, I I don't know, what do people hit on? Do you gamble? Not a great, well, my issue is that I would gamble too hard if I got involved, <laughs> so I try to stay away. You know, I, I get uh, obsessed enough with my leagues where the only thing at stake is bragging, right? So I do try to avoid. I like to play some daily uh, fantasy sometimes, but yeah, no, I don't have I don't have the vernacular to equip you to to finish this statement that you're on. Oh well, uh, Bobby Ryan four goals in his first three games. He is the most added player on Yahoo today, even before he scored another goal tonight. He's playing on the second line in Detroit, which I don't know if you saw this. They got the lines got mixed up today. Uh, Mantha and Larkin have been split up. It's uh, Larkin with Nemesnikov and Zadina, then Glendening, Bertuzzi, and Brome or Bromi, a, a player whose name I do not know how to pronounce. Uh, Bobby Ryan's playing with Mantha and Rasmussen. Are we buying Bobby Ryan, Lewis? You know, I, look, he's putting up the results and it's so tough, but I want to say no. You know, at least uh, I, we don't have full information on tonight's game, but he had 12 minutes in his first game back. He had 14 minutes in his last game. You know, he's only getting 35% of the power play time on ice Uh as of, you know, before today's game, he was shooting 75%. Those three goals came on four shots. No, I don't think he can keep doing it this way. But as you said, you know, he's getting quality opportunity. Uh, so you might as well ride it while it's hot. I don't know. I just, is I he think getting this quality is... opportunity, though. I don't think he is. I think he's just incredibly hot to start the year. There's, he's on the second line in Detroit. Who, who would tell you that that's a good line to be on? Well, I don't think it's too bad if you're lining up with Mantha. Obviously, Mantha's a quality player, but I see your point. You know, anything but the absolute tip top of deployment in Detroit is not going to be super appealing. If this is a guy that is interesting to you and that you want to pick up, you know, go for it, I think. But you got to be ready to ditch him at the slightest sign of, of the other shoe dropping on this ridiculous pace he's at right now. Yeah, it's got to be a deep league for sure. Like, do not pick up Bobby Ryan in like a 10 or 12 team league, dear God. But if you're in like a super deep, super deep 14 or 16 team league, I could understand riding the hot hand right now. Definitely. Moving on to Columbus, uh, the team that played Detroit Monday afternoon. We have to talk Pierre-Luc Dubois. A lot has been made about Dubois having requested a trade in the offseason. He... Played 18 and a half minutes in game one that went down in game two. And then it went down again in game three, including him being stuck to the bench for, I think it was a six or seven minute stretch in that matinee game on Monday. Are we worried about Pierre-Luc Dubois? Is he, is he going to get traded? Like, wh- where are we? Where is our head on Pierre-Luc Dubois? 
Well, I really like to avoid being in the prediction business about who is going to get traded where and how that might affect uh, value. It never seems to pay off. And, and more frequently than not, it seems like the rumors move much faster than any of the actual decision making. So I'm going to stay away from that. But what I am concerned about is that declining ice time. We saw him play 18 minutes and 30 seconds in his first game, lost a minute. Uh, in his second game and was down to 15 minutes and three seconds in the third game, the one that you just mentioned where he spent some time stapled to the bench. That's obviously not what you want to see, especially if it seems like things are rocky, potentially between player and coach or player and management. Uh, He was able to get on the scoreboard and put forth his highest number of shots in that 15-minute game, so maybe he was playing with a bit of a chip on his shoulder. But yeah, I'm definitely worried about decreased opportunity for PLD, but at the same time, he's a quality player, and if you drafted him, I think you got to ride it out and see if he does end up getting traded or else you know, makes nice with uh, the Blue Jackets and starts to get those opportunities back. I don't think it's time to, you know, if if PLD was dropped in my league today in Cupful, I'd be spending a hefty chunk of my remaining fab to be able to pick him up. I definitely agree with you that I would not be selling Pierre-Luc Dubois right now. He's too, his value is too low and he's, He's too good of a player. I actually think that the the declining ice time doesn't really worry me so much because it's such a small sample. Like if I see two or three games of him playing beneath 16 minutes, I start to get worried because Columbus doesn't have anyone who should be playing above him. And that becomes a concern in a single game, though. You know, there are going to be wild swings in single games. So I, I could look past that, assuming that he does start to turn it around. And we did see Columbus start to turn it around a little bit. Two points for Oliver Bjorkstrand on Monday night. So for me right now, I'm actually not particularly concerned about PLD, but maybe it's just because I'm not committed. I don't have him anywhere. And so it's a little bit easier for me to kind of shrug my shoulders and say I would I'd let it ride. And I think he kind of reminds me of a couple other people that we're going to talk about today that maybe we're a little nervous about because things aren't going so great at the moment but that the player is too valuable in and of themselves to, to let them go for nothing. All right, Lewis, I want to burn through three more forwards before we move on here. I'm going to start in St. Louis, Jordan Cairo. Two points playing with Shen and Schwartz last night. Looked really good. That second goal was a beauty snipe. He kept his spot on that second line in practice on Tuesday. Are you considering uh, Jordan Cairo a streamable player, a rosterable player? Yeah, I think he's definitely streamable right now. Let's hold off on rosterable until we see him to continue to produce. But what I really liked seeing from that line was that they really carried the play. They had 76% of the shot attempt share in their most recent game. And I think that's what the coaches like to see. I think that's why he earned another game in that spot. Uh, So I think that's a nice placement for Cairo at even strength. And, you know, if you are looking again, if you're in a a league where a Bobby Ryan is interesting to you, Cairo might be a player who is not overachieving quite as hard, but maybe can also be productive for you in a similar vein with Maybe some limited minutes uh, in terms of getting to see not a ton of the power play time, um, but certainly interesting at even strength. Yeah, I really don't mind a lot of the players in St. Louis, especially if you're just looking for a stream on Wednesday night playing against presumably Martin Jones, even if it is Devin Dubnik, like either of those Sharks goalies on Wednesday night. And then they get a back-to-back against Los Angeles later on this week. So if you're looking for Robert Thomas or, or Jordan Cairo, I think either one is streamable this week. And you're going to reassess, basically, if the lines get swapped around quickly. 
A player who just came back to his team, Kasperi Kapanen, with his first game in Pittsburgh tonight, and he had an assist in the first period on a goal by Teddy Bluger. Are you interested in Kasperi Kapanen? So that deployment doesn't scream super exciting to me with Sevier and Bluger. Uh, At the same time, Bluger has been outstanding tonight. Anyone who randomly has him on their roster has to be thrilled with his production so far, and the game's not over yet, so who knows? There may be more to come. I would place him below the Bobby Ryans and Jordan Kairos of the world as of right now, but I would certainly keep an eye on him as someone who probably does have the potential to move up the lineup if Zucker or Rust maybe uh, slow, you know, slow down a little. A chance for Kapanen in that top six would be really appealing. I think the spot that actually he he's probably the heir apparent for, and you probably just forgot to, forgot about him, is uh, Evan Rodriguez on that first line with Crosby. A, like a lot of people earmarked him for that spot in the preseason. And yeah, you might want to sit on him just because he is interesting on, on Crosby's wing. But otherwise, uh, I would keep him on the watch list. And, and if you see him in practice, get up there, then maybe you can grab the grab, make a quick grab of it. Yes, great point. I, like probably a lot of fantasy owners, have completely forgotten about Evan Rodriguez. <laughs> but absolutely, that's the guy you want to watch for, um, potentially, for that captain spot. And I would love to see him get a shot there. One more for us here. Carter Verhage in Florida. Top line with Barkov and Duclair. Power play two. He has two goals through 40 minutes tonight and an assist in his first game. So that's three points in two games. Are you interested in Carter Verhage? So right now, I would put Verhage ahead of... Kairu and ahead of actually yeah I like him over all of these guys so far in terms of what have we talked about uh Kairu Kapanen and Ryan uh, I would take him before any of those guys just because that opportunity to play with Barkov looks really good uh Duclair I know has maybe faded some of the shine has come off uh, a little bit for him in Florida um, but I still think uh, a capable player so yeah I think Verhage is among all of these guys quite exciting and in the running maybe to be the best Carter in the season <laughs> even better than Carter Hutton <laughs> little keeping Carlson bit from Sunday night's episode here. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, yeah, we got to keep in mind the real the real Carter is Carter Hart, I think. But we've got our Jeffs and our Verhages also to keep in mind. I thought the real Carter was the friends we made along the Anyway, uh, yeah, I actually agree with you. Carter Verhage is very interesting to me here. I would like to see him shoot a little bit more. I mean, he has four shots tonight, zero in the first game. So maybe that's a thing where the trend is going to start to go up. He has not. He was a rookie last year. He was about a shot a game, uh, but he only played nine minutes a game last year. In game one this year, he played 16 and a half minutes. So it'll be interesting to see where he ends up after game two. So at the very least, I'd be throwing Verhege on a watch list. Yeah, absolutely. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Let's move into the defense position here. We have a, a trio of ostensibly power play one for uh, defensemen to talk about. And we are going to start with uh, Florida. Why not, right? Keith Yandel. Almost held out of that first game. Almost had the Ironman streak broken. Everyone got super excited about Aaron Ekblad on the top power play, which I think is a good call. And he's he has stayed on that power play unit. 
But Keith Yandel, since the season has started, I believe just scored a goal. Yes, Keith Yandel has added a power play goal. He had a power play assist earlier tonight. Three points for Keith Yandel in two games. Lewis, do we have any reason to think that Keith Yandel should still be on a waiver wire right now? No, definitely not. Uh, Not only because he's obviously producing now in Florida and seems to have, you know, figured out whatever the, the previous issue was that... Uh, was going on with him and, uh, you know, the staff around him. Um, But the fact that, you know, if he is being showcased for trade bait, that's a great situation for him, too. There's a number of teams that could use uh, a player like him potentially to man that top power play, at least temporarily. Uh, I think that he makes for a really appealing choice, especially because he's just been so productive all of a sudden for Florida. You know, they're definitely increasing the value they're going to get back for him if that is the case. So I definitely do buy that uh, that there was a general ma- that the general manager was trying to get Yandel out of town and trying to get rid of his cap hit. I, I do believe those rumors, and I agree with you right now that it, the value is getting higher after these two games. It's going to be tough to trade him because of that no trade clause. However, I think that as of tonight, you have to say that Keith Yandel is above a stream. I just think it's really important with a player like this who you probably drafted fairly early in the mid rounds of your drafts. You may need to stream him out again. Do not feel like you can't, that you have to hold on to him. Like, don't get sunk cost fallacy with Keith Yandel. If he's not on that top power play or if he goes cold up there, then he's not doing anything for you. He's, he's lousy with peripherals. He's not going to score a bunch for you at even strength. Like, he's just going, he's, his value is tied 100% to that top power play unit. So make sure that if he is on your roster, that he is not moved off of that top unit because I, I do have some, I think it's reasonable to be afraid that that could happen just given what where we were just three or four days ago right so as good as things have become in just the last couple days obviously if he cools off it could be right back where we started you don't want to get whiplash with this guy so like we've advised throughout the episode patience clarity of thought you know really this is a time to to weigh your moves carefully you know, I know we talked about kind of the importance of being agile and quick on your feet this season because things are changing so rapidly. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that we are jumping the gun and making moves uh, quicker than we need to. But yeah, I think with with uh, we're sort of advising the the opposite here is that don't be afraid to uh, make a move if you need to with the handle if he cools off. And the other thing I think is to temper your expectations because he's scoring all these goals on the Chicago Blackhawks. Right. And so we've seen that just about everybody has uh, had some success there. Yeah, so Lankin and maybe enduring some of those first night jitters here, although at least Chicago is uh, giving him some run support here, helping him out on his end. Lankin is lacking in goaltending skill tonight. I have no idea what quality of player he is. He might be very good. Well, he's basically playing Sergei Bobrovsky to a draw. Take from that what you will. <laughs> Very little. Over in New York, my favorite boys, the Rangers. Tony D'Angelo misses another game. Healthy scratched in back-to-back games. Of course, the first healthy scratch was due to a stupid penalty he took in the Rangers' first game of the season when they were blown out and shut out by the Islanders. And then, while he's healthy scratched, the Rangers reverse the reverse the field. They blow out the Islanders and shut them out. So of course, David Quinn, being the man of mystery that he is, must keep the same line on a shutout night. Can't possibly change things. That would be bad juju. And Tony D'Angelo misses a second night in a row. Lewis, people are freaking out about Tony D'Angelo. 
I need to know, do you think that they are right to be concerned about him? So I think they are right to be concerned. I don't think that they are right to panic. What is the difference? So let me explain what I mean. You know, Fox obviously has taken that top power play role right now. He's got a couple assists in the game today. They're they're losing to the Devils as we record this, so keep that in mind. We haven't seen the end of this battle to see who becomes the power play one quarterback. It is far from settled. I don't think that we should be jumping in to declare a winner for a win for Fox and that TDA because he sat out a couple games is going to be done. You know, the Rangers want to compete. They're going to put whoever gives them the best uh, possibility of winning in the lineup. And I think we should wait until he's, we see what the result is after he's served these couple games. He may come back very fired up and ready to go. What I am advocating for is patience with this while we wait for some more time to sh- see how this power play situation shakes out. I, you know, built some insurance in. I, I t- uh, Tony D'Angelo was the first defenseman that I picked up uh, in the Cupful auction, but I hedged my bets a little bit by picking up Fox too. So I'm holding on to both of them right now uh, while we wait for this to sort of sort itself out. And I think it may be a while uh, if it even gets sorted out this season in a clear number one number two sort of setup so I am prepared to wait a little while on this he was so successful last year I don't think we can pretend that we didn't have him he was you know top 10 in the league uh, in defenseman points so I don't think it's time to just toss him to the curb because he's had this spat early on uh, and obviously took that terrible penalty I think we give him some time to try and get his feet under him and see what happens before we're going to jump off the Tony D'Angelo train would you be bidding on him if he was dropped in cupful I think I would, but I don't think I would spend a ton of money. And the specific reason is that he doesn't have any floor, right? Like if he's not on the top power play, he's not going to get you any peripherals. And so he's basically a stream, like he's waiver wire material at that point. I do need to point out, though, Lewis, he's not just top 10 in power play points last year. He was number four, ahead of Quinn Hughes, ahead of Kale McCarr. Yes, he played more games than McCarr. Uh, ahead of Tory Krug, ahead of Shea Theodore, ahead of Brent Burns. Anthony D'Angelo had an incredible season last year. I, Folks, I mean, buckle in. This is me talking about the Rangers, so of course I'm going to go long here or or say I have, I have a, a million thoughts in the world, and many of them are exacerbated by the fact that Elon picked at them for a while in our in in our group chat earlier tonight. Basically, I think you do have to hold Tony D'Angelo because the ceiling is so high. Now, if you're in a in a shallower league and there are other power play one defensemen on the wire, I'm thinking of like Erasmus Anderson. I could consider dropping Tony D'Angelo for Erasmus Anderson, who appears to be the real deal in Calgary on a on a power play that's firing on all cylinders and and he looks really good over there. But there, if you're in a deeper league, a, a 12 or 14, or a 14 team league, and you're you're choosing between Tony D'Angelo and whoever the drags are on uh, on the waiver wire, I don't know, like let's say a, a Devon Taves or a, a Damon Severson or even a Philly, Philip Hironic, give me Tony D'Angelo above that whole tier of player. But I think what people are kind of missing here is that he's not scratched because they don't want him on the top power play unit. And Adam Fox isn't on the top power play unit because they they necessarily want him there over Tony D'Angelo. If you listen to everything that David Quinn has said this year, he wants to keep that top unit from last year together or at the very least give them a shot 
to recapture that value they had last year as a top 10 unit. He said multiple times, if you have a top 10 unit and you bring all those guys back, why would you not give them a chance to play together? They've had one game together so far. He wants them to get another shot. And he's he's put on hold other changes on that top unit. For example, he's talked about putting Buchnevich, who's had a, a great start to the season, in the Ryan Strom spot. But he's holding off because he wants to see how the top unit looks together. And so that's... That's why I would be holding Tony D'Angelo right now. Having said all that, Adam Fox is the truth. He is an incredible player. He reminds me, actually, this is very much to me a Charlie McAvoy, Matt Grizzlick situation where you have a Charlie McAvoy is the Adam Fox that I'm talking about. Probably probably a better player. Obviously, the Rangers homer in me is popping out by by comparing the two. But, you know, Adam Fox is an incredible player and looks like a, a very solid number one defenseman already. And I think what's happening is that the their coaches don't want to burn them out playing them 30-plus minutes a game in all situations. They need to come off at some point. You have a capable offensive player in Matt Grizzlick. You have a capable offensive player in Tony D'Angelo. In Tony D'Angelo, you also have a player who can't play defense. You can't put him on the penalty kill. So it's a, it makes a lot of sense just in the way of spreading out minutes that you can put Tony D'Angelo on the top power play unit. They're going to be a good unit. He's going to be, he's able to keep up with those four forwards and, and obviously produce at a high level like he did last year. Now his his rate stats were out of whack. His shooting percentage was crazy. I don't think those numbers, like that ceiling is sustainable, but I do think his floor is very high if he's on that top power play unit. And so it does make sense to me that they would, despite how well Fox is doing, still give Tony D'Angelo another shot on the top unit when he comes back. And that's why I'm still holding, because he will get his, another shot there. I don't necessarily think he, he holds it, because I think Adam Fox is incredible, and I think he's having like he's obviously performing really well on that unit, but I do think that he'll get another look. Yeah, that, that very comprehensive. I can tell you've thought about it quite a lot. I'm <laughs> glad we came to the same conclusion. And you're right. I think I'm much more ready to potentially cut bait with Tony D'Angelo after he gets his second time around and potentially gets replaced than I am this early in the season after just a few games. Well, and I honestly think best case scenario for you is that Adam Fox is the top line guy because he does have peripherals. He he can be a complete defenseman who's going to put up incredible numbers for you if he gets that top unit, if he gets the if he gets full time on the top unit. Whereas Tony D'Angelo is a guy if he's not on there, you can stream him right out. So you're kind of in a situation where you have the two you have like two goaltenders, right? The ceiling's not there because you're not getting you don't have two starters, you just have a tandem. If you have that's kind of where you're at with with having Tony D'Angelo and Adam Fox, the the best case scenario would be that you could drop D'Angelo because Fox is still getting, you know, that incredible floor that he's showing right now, but now he's also getting the offensive looks. So that that would be if I were you, I would be really hoping that Adam Fox can win that spot and you can stream out TDA. Well, I feel similarly. I'd love to have that spot open. But in the meantime, I'm hanging in there with both of them and we'll see how it progresses through the season. One more defenseman we have to talk about tonight, Josh Morrissey. Uh, power play one defenseman. They mentioned him briefly on Keeping Carlson's Sunday show because he popped up on that top power play. We all thought this was Neil Pionk's job to lose. And seemingly, despite not losing it, Josh Morrissey took over from Pionk after that incredible year he had last year. We did have a very interesting comment from Mason in the patron only Discord group. 
Mason pointed out that it looks like the reason that they have Morrissey on the top unit is handedness. Normally, the power play runs through Line A and Pionk shots with Wheeler feeding them. So Pionk being right-handed fits that perfectly. With Line A out, they completely change the power play setup and they don't need that right-handed defenseman. This is, I'm, I'm quoting directly from, from our patron Mason. I really appreciated that insight. I guess I'm wondering, are you buying Josh Morrissey as the new de facto power play one defenseman? Or do you think that, do you think Mason's right? Do you think when Line A comes back, it's stream out Morrissey and, and move on, move back onto Pionk? Well, I'm certainly no expert in the handedness debate. You know, that is uh, a bit above my pay grade, I suppose. Morrissey is another case where I think you ride it while it lasts. You know, if he is going to get eventually taken off that first power play, just watch game day lines and see when that takes place. Because until that happens, he's playing monster minutes. Uh, He had over 25 minutes in his most recent full game before this recording. Uh, and stuff the stat sheet with three shots, four hits, and two blocks. He's got a couple shots and hits tonight as well. He spent over six minutes on the power play uh, in that most recent game as well. So if things are going to change for Morrissey, they haven't happened yet. So keep an eye on when Line A is coming back, when he's coming back. Check out how they're deploying those lines to see if this handedness issue uh, really is the reason why we're seeing this change in power play quarterback. Yeah, I think for now, riding Morrissey is the smart thing to do. Why not? If he's getting all those minutes, uh, I think that makes him quite appealing. This is just a side note, but I was thinking the other day, I feel like we should call them a power play point guard. I feel like the role is much more point guardy than it is quarterbacky. but that's just uh, something I was thinking about while I was watching some Michigan basketball the other day. Something I'm thinking about while watching uh, the patron-only Discord group is Josh Morrissey just scored a power play goal. Oh, you love to see it. You what timing. You do. Uh, Lewis, we we own Josh Morrissey. We got him off waivers just in time for his five-game week in our joint league, and uh, this rocks. Oh, how delightful. Uh, I would agree with you, though. Josh Morrissey is a player that uh, I think is a, he's, you can stream him out in shallow leagues the moment he's not on power play one. But in deeper leagues, he, he maintains some value because he's going to be on a second power play unit with Nick Ehlers. And and he does put up blocks. So he's he's a he's an okay player in deeper leagues, but not something special the way that he is right now. Lewis, we've been going for a while, longer than usual, but we do have a few goaltenders I think we need to talk about real quick. In Pittsburgh, it doesn't matter who they put in net. Casey DeSmith, Tristan Jari, they've both been blown up at this point. What are we doing here, Lewis? Who do you trust? Who is the goalie in Pittsburgh? Well, first off, I think we've spent a couple seasons kind of waiting for the bottom to fall out of that Pittsburgh defense, and it's kind of been hanging in there. It's almost the the Wiley Coyote where you run off the cliff and your feet keep moving for a while and you hang out there. But I think he just he held up the help sign uh, and maybe is falling down into the canyon here uh, this season, at least in the early going. We'll see if they can fix things up a little bit it you know as a Tristan Jari owner uh, I'm not sad to see all of these uh, weak offerings from Casey DeSmith I would say I'd say one weak offer <laughs> he was fine the other night he, he was all right he was under 900 he, but he got the win and Roto World said he was stellar Wow. Okay. Thank you, Roto World. Sometimes the adjectives from Roto World, I think, are are a little bit questionable. At any rate, yeah, I think that both of these goalies are of concern. It sounds clear that they're going to give Jari another shot at grabbing that starter's position. They said they were going to give him a few games off. They were going to let him work with the goalies coach and get reset, was the quote. 
Um, what that means exactly, I think, is a bit of a mystery. But what I am inferring from it, reading between the lines, is that he's going to get another shot to be that number one or at least a 1A here coming up. So if you are a Jari owner and there's not anything else appealing out on the waiver wire, maybe you're thinking about uh, hanging in there a little while and see if he can't right the ship a little bit and maybe post some uh, 900 or over save percentage games here so he could be of a benefit to your team. I am starting to think, though, that I feel a little bit like Elon does about Detroit with Grice and Bernier. He, Elon's convinced that it's a tandem there. I'm not as convinced that it's a tandem in Pittsburgh, but I definitely don't think that Jim Sullivan is attached to either goalie. I think that it's a fully a hot hand situation, and it's up to one of them to win the net. And uh, so far, neither of them has done it. I think it's very possible that Pittsburgh just is not a good place to be playing goalie, though, and that this might be a situation to avoid rather than, you know, recent years where you had hoped that you might be able to get the Pittsburgh, you know, the goaltender playing behind Crosby and Malkin. Yeah, I'm definitely not looking to buy low on either of those goalies if I didn't own them already. (laughs) Last player here on our list, Linus Olmark missed last night's game or Monday night's game uh, suddenly with some personal issues. And then there was a report that he would potentially be opting out of the season. Now, Tuesday, he did wind up uh, skating, and then he missed again the night, and then he missed Tuesday night's game again. Carter Hutton played in both, and then it appears that Carter Hutton left tonight's game early. I don't have any information on what's going on with Hutton, so I don't want to speculate too wildly, but are you freaking out about Allmark? Is there is there reason for concern here? I was heartened that he came back and was participating in practice today, which makes me think that whatever going whatever is going on is hopefully uh, not too great a concern. I think it's a little worrisome I'm certainly missing a couple games in the middle of the week, or I suppose he only missed one. I think it is a little bit concerning, but it's not, you know, it's not like he was clearly injured. Just like we've recommended in many cases so far, I think you got to be patient and wait to find out a little more information here before you make your decision. And and I am an Allmark owner, uh, so all of my goalies are coming up here in the concern area, um, but I'm not doing anything hasty with Allmark yet. Luckily, I was able to stash him because he was considered to be out. I'll leave him there for the time being and see how things progress. I'm in a weekly lock league and I started uh, I started Linus Olmark and uh, a few hours later I found out that that was a horrible decision so isn't that fun well here's hoping he's going to make it back on the other side uh, and quick Mackenzie Blackwood update. The Rangers have fired 50 shots on him this and game. And they're going to score the game tying goal here. I'm putting it out into the universe. So tomorrow when I wake up, everyone can tell me what a genius I was. Lewis, why don't you sign us out of here? All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us. We so appreciate it. We are very excited to have our new home with Blue Wire. Also worth mentioning, we have a new home on the Twitter machine. Please follow us at Short Shifts KK. We'll be answering your questions there, entertaining you in any variety of ways. Looking forward to seeing you there. Pat Roach with the intro music as well. Looking forward to seeing you later in the week. And until then, play smart and keep your shifts short.